This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share and collaborate. Good morning, and this is the EM Weekly Show. The show is Todd DeVoe, along with my co-host today, which is Dan Scott, who is the host of the new uh, EM Student Show, which will be launching July 1. And uh, Dan, welcome. Well, I guess you're part of the team here, so it's not even welcome to the EM Weekly Show. It's uh, How are you doing this morning? Oh, good morning. Thanks for having me back on. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Ah, doing a lot, of, a lot of craziness going on in the world and news. You know, we've been watching these protests, this defund the uh, the police movement that's going on, and it got you know. Realistically, there's a couple of posts going on in the chat rooms along the Facebook, if you will, with emergency managers and some stuff over on LinkedIn, and the question came up of how will uh, the defunding law enforcement. What kind of impact will that have on emergency management? And I started thinking, I'm like, well, I mean, <laughs> maybe it might improve it in one aspect of things because maybe there might be more money coming this way. But if if you are attached to a law enforcement agency, um, could emergency management lose funding uh, because of the of, of defunding and or uh, or the reduction completely, right? I mean, you have some you have some communities that are talking about getting rid of their police department uh, completely. So, how does that impact us in the field of emergency management? You know, and I'm going to get my soapbox here for a couple seconds. So, part of that goes into the back to where I feel, and I've been a proponent of this for a long time, where emergency management is a standalone uh, department within the city. Uh, with the director of emergency management or or the chief, if you will, or whoever's in charge of that, whatever nomenclature that you would like to use, uh, reports directly to the uh, chief, uh, to, the, to the city um, manager or to the mayor or whoever the chief executive is of your city. So I, I think that argument is even stronger now um, with this push to defund um, law enforcement, if you will. Uh, I mean, you have large cities. The city of Los Angeles is talking about it. Now, Los Angeles Emergency Management is a separate agency, but just to kind of say it's not just the small agencies and stuff like this. It's those large agencies that are being impacted as well by politicians are already coming up and saying that they will defund or, or they will move large amount of money from the budget from law enforcement um, into other services. So, Dan, what do you think is going to be that impact on emergency management? Well, let me just uh, say that I absolutely 100% agree with you that emergency management agencies should stand alone. They should be their own agency answering directly to a city manager or a a mayor, uh, depending on how the, the the city or county set up. Uh, when I worked in Waco, um, at one point, right, I mean, it, we, it was just like that. It, it, the emergency management coordinator uh, was 
right there in line with uh, the police chief and the fire chief and answer directly to the city manager. And that's the way it should be. Um, and we find right now is that throughout the, the whole industry, it's kind of all over the place. You have emergency managers who are in line with the police department and others who are in line with uh, the fire department and some others that that uh, even in line with the re- local EMS agency. So uh, it's kind of all over the place. Um, ultimately, though, the ones that are strong, that are in their, that they have their own a department that they are running there equal to a police department, a fire department, and they're answering directly to city city or county leadership. That's the way it should be. Um, but I think ultimately the way it's going to, those that are attached to a police department or a police agency, law enforcement agency, um, I don't see that being a good thing if they're cutting money because what we find throughout uh, statistically anyway, throughout the, the agent, throughout emergency management, throughout, especially in the United States mm-hmm. is that they're the most underfunded, program already emergency right. management is um so if you're pulling money from um, an agency like a police department and some of that money goes towards emergency management i fear that um that w- that will negatively negatively impact emergency management uh, and that's even if they have an emergency manager and it's not other duties as assigned and right. if they do have an emergency manager uh that they don't say okay well we're going to eliminate the position and we're just going to give your duties to someone else, other duties assigned spread out across several different people who may not know exactly how to to move forward with emergency management. And I think it's definitely, it can definitely um, hinder an emergency manager. But I think ultimately this can be used um, positively. We can, as emergency managers, it's a time to step up. And it's a time to show why it's important that we, that we take front and center and we, and we can act on our own. Because of all the things, what's the number one thing that we do as emergency managers, right? It's a whole community. It's collaboration. It's reaching out to people. It's different than law enforcement and fire in the fact that we are actively seeking that partnership with others and collaboration with others and building uh, partnerships. And uh, I think it's a time right now that we could actually step up as a profession uh, to actually make this benefit us. But ultimately, those who are right now, if if departments are going to get funded, defunded, uh, I feel like it's going to affect emergency management in those areas negatively. I wrote a piece and I, I put, I put it up in medium. Um, and I can, I'll share that in the show notes, I guess. And, and what it was about specifically was protecting first amendment rights. Um, and how, what the role of emergency management is during, uh, protests and civil unrest. And I, that's one of the things that I think that as emergency managers, with this whole community approach that we are that, um, that intermediate, if you will, we could be, we are that third agency, if you will, that we can go out and we make those community uh, partnerships and relationships, uh, building, working with the community groups, uh, working with the people go, when we go out and teach, um, classes on preparedness, when we go out and do the emergency preparedness fairs inside the community, things like this, those outreach programs, um, we are building those bridges already. And, and, I, and I think that as emergency managers, being that third service or fourth service depends on, on, on what, you know, where you're at. Um, that when, as we're doing this, uh, not only are, are we able to have communications already established with some of the uh, people who may be protesting, right? Uh, I, I think we could build that bond of trust between uh, those 
those groups that are protesting as well. Now, that means now we're not just talking about protesting here when we talk about defunding, by the way, but I'm just using this as an example of how emergency management can be used in the preparedness section or in the, the ability to uh, reach out to the community to be resilient. And I, and possibly you're right, Dan, I think this is that time for emergency managers to step up and come from underneath the cloud of law enforcement and fire department and to uh, move forward and, and show what exactly EM is. Uh, it's funny. I, I was talking to um, somebody about emergency management, this exact topic, and they work up in, in Oregon and uh they were told by a fire chief that the emergency management has been, um, un, what was the word that he used? It wasn't unchallenged. Um, I'm not tested. They haven't been tested and they're an unknown entity. And so he, he doesn't, he has no faith in emergency management. Fire chief has no faith in emergency management. And it kind of made me laugh because I'm thinking, well, I mean, if you take a look at things like nine 11, uh, H1N1 from before, the SARS uh, crisis before, hurricanes that came across. You know, emergency management is is far tested uh, in, in these areas, you know, and I think it's just the, the lack of education in, in some cases for some of these chief executives uh, that uh, don't understand what the what we are and what the, what the tool that they have in their back pocket is with uh, with emergency management. And I think it's, it, yeah, you're right. It's a lack of education, but it's also a lack of understanding. Uh, they don't understand how how it applies. They don't understand what one of the one of the biggest uh, things that I try and that I try and teach is that emergency management in general it touches so many uh, it touches so many avenues of public safety in general, and we work with everybody. It's an all inclusive profession. We work with PD, we work with fire, we work with EMS, we work with it doesn't matter what level you're at. Um, military, we work with, we work with federal, state, county. I mean, it doesn't matter. We work with everybody. And when I, when I describe it, when I, tr- when I attempt to let, in, um, to, to lay it out on how it is and some, I've, I've, I've gotten some really good results with this description, but I believe emergency management is the road, right? Mm-hmm. And each individual lane, we help, we support them. We support that each buyers in their lane, PDs in their lane. EMS is in their lane and we're the road that they drive on. We give them support. We give them direction. And we can, by explaining it in that way and having to give them an understanding, we, we, we work in planning and training and continuity. We're not just single mindset. And if mm-hmm. you see, and, and one of the things that I, 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 one of the reasons why I love emergency management so much is it's, it's not necessarily always concentration on what's right in front of you. Uh, we got to think about, we got to think far ahead. We, we got to right. think far and wide. And with, when it comes to response mindset, they're right. It's the, the concentration is what's right in front of them. And they're trained that way. I, I came from a response background in, and you know, whether it was law enforcement, whether it was EMS or whether it was fire, I, I did all those things because I grew up in educational law enforcement and that's what you're trained to do. You're trained to, to respond to an incident and work that incident. Well, and, 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 and you're right. And, and I say this a lot that we do response really well. And there's the other aspects of emergency management. When I say we, the, the fire and police do response well, right? They know what they're doing. They go out and they do their job. At the end of the day, when the fire trucks go back to the barn and the police officers are back on patrol, um, you, you know, emergency management is doing those other sections that go unnoticed in the, in the way. And going back to the question though, right? If, we start seeing large 
defunding of law enforcement. And like I said, there's some large cities. The mayor of Los Angeles has said they're going to cut millions of dollars out of PD's budget. Yes. So if, if other departments and other cities take take follow that that route, um, what happens to does emergency management lose in that in those cases? I believe they will in many cases. Yes, until in in, in what we find though in these situations is that until the need arises again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's absolutely. yeah. So we we have a short term memory, right? We focus on what's right in front of us. But ultimately, it's going to come back around to where we need emergency management. Something's going to happen, and emergency management's going to have to step up. And as I said, is it is it going to be someone or a department that does it, or is it going to be other duties assigned that spread out over people? And I've seen that happen. And it can work as long as they're given the support, the training, and the opportunity that's needed to grow a program. Um, but ultimately, yes, I feel like it's definitely uh, – defunding is definitely going to – I mean, and you've seen this a lot, right? When you start seeing budget cuts in law enforcement, um, the first areas they cut are the uh, the professional staff, not the sworn staff, right? Uh, and then it's it takes a long time to, uh, to get down to to cutting that, and and training gets cut, and you know, so it's it's so funny because if you think about what the politicians are asking for, they're they're asking to, to cut budget to the law enforcement well they're not they're not cutting they're not going to cut positions um they may not hire back right so if they do have some holes in their um in their staffing they just don't hire right so they're not going to fire anybody necessarily right so they're not going to hire back they're not going to they're going to cut training right which is the opposite of what needs to be done if you want to change the the culture of policing so they're not going to not going to put money in training they're not going to do community policing, such as like sending out like the um, officer friendly to go to schools and things like this. That gets cut. Um, they're most likely if they if they have any issues with p- patrol, right? They will either double up on a car and reduce cars because it saves on gas and whatnot, or maintenance on the vehicles. Uh, equipment stuff starts going down. You, you know, those are the things that get cut easily, right? Because yeah, they're going to do everything they can to keep the officers right. <laughs> Right. You know, and which is, I mean, and I'm not slagging that by any means because I think that's the you know, the right thing to do. Right. But all these things that could actually help with, with the, the issue with the community and relationships with the community, if they see that this is a, the, the bad side, that's the stuff that's going to get cut. Right. When they start cutting this. So the defunding the police department is, is, is almost opposite, you know, um, you know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's same thing. Like when you talk and you know, people are compl- comparing this to, to school teachers you know, when you see schools that are having budgetary issues, you know, they, they don't, they, they cut like the teacher's aides, they cut the, the lunch ladies, they cut, you know, different programs like that. They cut sports and they cut music and they cut these things and they, they shove more kids into the same classroom. And so the teachers are now overworked. So, <laughs> you know, same thing is going to think about that and put this on the law enforcement side. They're going to cut all those ancillary uh, uh, services, uh, and and the court they're going to go to core services, right? You hear this all the time. What's our core mission? So, what's the core mission of law enforcement? Public safety to keep people safe, to go out there and, and deter crime. So that's what they're going to do. But you're going to find that it's it's uh, it's going to make it harder for them to do their job. Uh, um, so longer response times. You know what I mean. So that that type of uh, stuff that that we see more, and that's that's our biggest concern already. 
is that response times continue to go up. Even though they're continuing to dump funding and increase staff and officers. So what do you think is going to happen when we start cutting back money? Right. I think I laid the argument is, uh, is, is pretty much uh, laid out for that. And, you know, it's again, you know, and you start to take a look, you're going to see, you know, longer shifts. You're going to see, um, you, you're already seeing where in areas where, um, where they're cutting back, uh, that just areas of patrol are going to be, are, it, it's, I'm stumbling over my own words because it's so frustrating, uh, of the concept. Um, you, you know, I was just talking to my wife who's a social worker and I know that she, um, you know, was talking about how there are times when they have to call law enforcement in to help out because of the potential danger to the social worker going into these homes. Right. And this is one of the things where people, politicians are saying, well, you know, police officers shouldn't be doing social work stuff, but there's times when the social workers, you know, need support. And, you know, if we're going to start pulling the, the aid to social workers when they go knocking on doors, because there's areas that sometimes it's dangerous, right? I mean, you, you know, in the case of, of what my wife does is it's, you know, she potentially, you know, could put people in, in jail. She works for adult protective services and, and uh, you know, people go to jail for abuse. Right. And so sometimes when she goes knocking on those doors, talk to the clients, the, uh, the abusers there and they don't want to deal with it. And, and so the, sometimes you need that law enforcement support. If they're not going to support the social workers, I don't see the social workers aren't going to feel comfortable going to the doors and, and knocking on those doors as well. So we're going to have those impacts as well. All right. So let's um, take a quick break here. Listen to our advertisers. And when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about you know, the impacts on emergency management. Seconds count during an emergency. That's why at Titan HST, we're always inventing new technology to help people stay safe and help people who can provide help get connected with people who need help. At Titan HST, we've deployed mesh networking, allowing emergency communication, even when networks are down, augmented reality, and real-time translation. We believe in the power of people to help each other stay safe and thrive. I do want to talk a little bit about mesh networking right now um, with uh, with what happened the other day with all the cell phones going down. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people uh, were without uh, cell coverage. I mean, some could text, some couldn't. Uh, I was reading some stuff on, on Facebook about some of the frustrations that people were having. And uh, it, it is, it's, uh, it's crazy. So, but with Titan HST, with the mesh networking, if you guys are using Titan HST, you can still communicate with your team uh, through land or not through landline, but through voice uh, as, as well as chat and group text. So um, you, check out Titan HST and let them know that you heard them here on Ian weekly, because you know, during times of crisis, you do not want your communications to go down. Like right Dan, I mean, every time we do exercise and drills, what's the first thing that we've, or even events, what's the first thing we put on the board? Yeah, communication is always the number one number one area of concern. And so, and during an event and after and after action, it's always the number one uh, area that people complain about communication. So. Right. So work on your communication needs right now. Titan HST is great. They're great people over there. Give them a call. Let them know you heard them here, and uh, you won't go wrong by talking to that team. Man, so one million dollar to LAPD budget, right? And uh, 
it's it's uh you know it says it's 10 officers and it's what's controlled for overtime you, you know uh i mean is it really i mean one one million dollars i think they wanted to cut like like 1.5 million but either way you know yeah but the thing is is once you start losing officers uh overtime goes that's the other thing too when you don't hire back right when you don't hire back that means that you're going to have to do overtime for, for those spots. And, and as he's right, right. It's more expensive to run overtime than it is to run straight time um, officers. So yeah, I, I got to say though, I mean, I feel like cutting, they continue to do this. And what I fear is that they're going to, they're going to go more towards privatizing police. What? Yeah. That's what I feel. I feel like, people, what do you do now when you don't have, when you, when you can't afford a police officer, right. You, or they contract it out. That's what I fear. So, you mean contracting out like through the sheriff's departments or through state police or? Isn't there cities and counties that, you know, that work together and do that type of stuff. But look at the response times on that. So, oh. well, yeah. And, and, you know, there, there are areas that are, um, there are for sure where they are contracted out, you know, and, and the, I don't say the level of service suffers because the, the sheriff's officer in Orange County specifically where I live, you know, Orange County Sheriff's Department, they do a great job. And especially in the areas where they uh, contract, right? I mean, it's like they, they have a person over there. They call the chief of police, which is a lieutenant. Uh, he's hired by the hired. He's chosen by the city manager, uh, city council to, um, to work there. So they go through a vetting process and he acts just like a chief of police would in, in a city. Um, you know, and the guys are the the officers are assigned to that city, and they, and they they do the best they can. Now you have the unincorporated areas where it's more rural, if you will, and yeah, the the response time is longer there. So if you're just like any other rural area, uh, if you're kind of in the way, you, you you're not going to have a police officer in, in you know five ten minutes. It's going to be fifteen twenty minutes, maybe a half hour. Um, there are some areas in in California where there's one, especially in San Bernardino County, for instance, where there's one deputy that you know, patrols, you know, 10 square mile area and, and uh, they're by themselves pretty much. Maybe CHP uh, might back them up. And I, I'm, I'm going to assume, and I don't want to assume all, all, all the time, but I'm it's across the country, across the United States. I'm, I'm sure it's pretty similar in the rural areas, but what happens when you have um, a contracted police department, such as the sheriff's department um, in, in say the city, do you get that same ownership of, of the department as you do is if you, if those officers and chiefs, because now think about this, those police officers and the chief of police no longer work for you. They're a contractor. So if you don't like that particular person, if, if Dan Scott, if they think he's a bad guy, a bad fit for that city, they just move him out of that city. He doesn't, exactly. you know? Um, so you, now you lose control over that. So there's this, um, Michael comes up, says uh, most EM are grant funded. I don't know about most, Michael, but there are some that are and uh, cost share base, right? And many coordinate disaster assistance programs. Yeah, no, you're 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 right in in some aspect of it. Um, I'm not sure about most are grant funded. There are there are grant funds out there for a lot of people, but the thing is, at the end of the day, um, is it going to be emergency manager professional filling those roles? Um, if if we have those cuts in the budget or does it become a collateral duty, which you can still use your, if you're going to grant from the position, you can still use those grant funds um, to fill, to fill using your uh, collateral duty person. 
right? Again, you know, here's an interesting part, though, right? You talk about contracting, Dan. Do you think that maybe emergency management might be more on a contract need? So say you go with like, a, you know, uh, a large, you know, James Witt or uh, Title, Title Basin or Haggerty Consulting. Do you go with those companies to, to, to provide your emergency management services if you start having budget cuts and then now they're on as needed and, you know, maybe a couple times a year? Yeah, I don't know about – I mean – when it comes to as needed, it's good, you know, to contract in for exercises and certain trainings, but to contract in emergency management just a couple times a year, I, 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 I fear that. I would disagree with that. I mean, you need to have someone that's dedicated to that jurisdiction, knows that jurisdiction, and works their day-to-day responsibilities based around that jurisdiction. Um, contracting out it can, can be great. And if you're going to contract out for the year, contract out for a position, that that's that's the way to, to look at it. You can contract a position out from an organization that works specifically for your jurisdiction. That's that's one way to look at it. But you're going to pay a lot more than you would if you did it in-house. Yeah, but, the, you know, where you save money on that, and it's the same way, there's a liquid model of of, uh, uh, of, of running city government, right? And so it was Lakewood, California was the first uh, city in the nation, I think, if, if I remember back in the day when I was back in my master's program, um, where they contracted every service. So fire, law enforcement, public works, everything is, is contracted out. Now, I know they changed a little bit, but it's still called the Lakewood model. Um, and yeah, I mean, so, I mean, could you, could you go back to that? I mean, let's, let's look at this as a whole, as a whole thing. If we're going to start contracting out police services right if you're going to defund the police department get rid of your officers for whatever reason uh because you know you're mad at them um and then we're going to go and we're going to contract with you know state or 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 sheriff's departments um mind you some states just kind of let you know it's kind of weird in some states the sheriff's department doesn't have the same law enforcement capabilities um as uh say like you know california where our sheriff's department does different things so it might be state police that are bringing in like massachusetts for instance the state police um they kind of well they will do contracts for cities as well so you go through you get the state police or the sheriff's department in uh to contract again like we talked about you lose the control over who's working in your city um who's in charge things like this the city doesn't necessarily have great that ownership of, of them well you know, do you do the same thing with, with, do you do the liquid model then? Do you just go screw it? Let's just contract everything out. I mean, or, you know, are you holding some services back? It's just really interesting to see, um, you know, some of the decisions that are being made because this is one thing that people don't understand. And, and you want to see people, just the vast majority of people, when you start taking a look at budgets and stuff like this, it's a rabbit hole that you're going to go down fast, you know? Um, and, uh, you, you, in most cities, you don't cut the funding from the police department and then put it into schools, which is somebody was saying, because the schools aren't run by the city. You know, the schools are normally their own political entity. Um, you know, so it's not like I'm taking a million dollars out of uh, of this of the police department and I'm going to put it over here in this thing. It, it's going to go back into general funds information, and that will be dispersed how they want to do it. So on on the budget side of things. It does sound good. It's a good bumper sticker, right? You know, yeah, it's, it sounds good, but it's a, just a lack of understanding, you know, and, and ultimately, you know, 
but if this if this happens and and some are going this way others are fighting back and i'm i'm very happy to see that i mean ultimately i am supporter of law enforcement um you know you got a few bad apples doesn't mean that they're all bad you know so um but i'm so i'm a supporter of law enforcement and uh, i hate to see that this is happening right now but ultimately what you're going to see is if this does happen uh, the lack of the, the lack of community involvement and you're only in and you think you only see uh, law enforcement in bad times now just wait mm-hmm. and you know and I, I hate to think that this you know and, and the reasons the reasons people are calling for it you know there were some there were some events that that, that brought some stuff to light and you're like well, what's going on but i don't think the best way to do it is by defunding the police i think it's it's by giving them more training it's a, it's a behavioral issue uh, a lot of it and, and it's and it's both on both sides both law enforcement and the community in which they deal with yeah no no absolutely and you know it's also interesting too is you're seeing some you're seeing blowback already uh, from law enforcement uh yesterday atlanta um PD had a, a case of the blue flu. Uh, a lot of officers walked off the job. Um, there are areas that they're no longer, not just Atlanta, and some other departments where they're just not going to respond to anymore. Um, and it goes back to it goes back to uh, Baltimore. Let's just talk about Baltimore really quick, right? And this is uh, some few years ago. There was an incident in Baltimore where uh, an African American man was arrested, put in the back of a, a paddy wagon, was um, and um, he died uh, as a result of different things that happened back there. It's, they're not really sure exactly how he broke his neck, uh, but he broke his neck in the back of the in the car and he died. So same thing. There's lots of riots, lots of protests, um, and so the they they pulled back um, basically progressive patrol, if you will, or, or preventive uh, policing, and they went to just responsive policing over in those areas. Um, they're not patrolling neighborhoods. And the other day uh, in the Baltimore uh, newspaper, um, residents in those areas where they pull back uh, patrol are now saying, hey, uh, we need more patrol over here because crime has increased. Violent crime has increased. Uh, and again, law enforcement is only responding. Um, they're not uh, preventing um, uh, crime. So, again, you know, it, I it, it sounds great on paper, you know, when, when, you know, things go sideways and you, you have somebody who does something wrong. And, and I think that it's debatable. I know I have a friend of mine who doesn't agree with this. I think law enforcement does a very decent job of, of going through and, and getting rid of people. Um, especially if they're, if they're the bad apples, um, you know, the not perfect, nobody's perfect, you know, at, at doing this, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, they're, they're trying to do their best as far as getting, getting this thing done. You know, you, you do this whole thing. You do, you don't do a preventive patrol. You're just doing a response patrol or response, responding to 911 calls or whatnot. Um, and now you have the residents uh, asking for more patrol, more police uh, presence in their neighborhoods who a couple of years ago. said they didn't want police presence in their neighborhoods. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a never, it's a, you can't win. You cannot win as as law enforcement right now, um, and so it's a tough job. Uh, I, I know these guys and gals that are out there doing it, um, trying to do their best. Uh, but you have the cities that are cutting funding um, and and whatnot. And again, going back to the original question, um, going back to the original question, 
How does it impact emergency management? I, I think at this point, you know, can't. it's too early to tell, right? It's too early to tell if it's going to be a negative impact or a positive impact. But I think I'm going to say this. So I'll go out on a limb and uh, hopefully, you know, um, well, we can talk about this later. But I think there's going to definitely be a discussion and impact on what the profession of emergency management looks like after this, especially those that are attached to law enforcement agencies. Dan, I'll let you say the last word. Well, I think, I think this is a time too, that we should really take advantage of. If you're an emergency manager, you should definitely take advantage, step up and, and help build your program. And uh, uh, don't, don't take this as a, a sign of, of uh, it's a doomsday that they're going to cut, cut my position, step up and tell them why they shouldn't. Step up and show them what, what it is that we do as a professional. Let make them understand um, why it's important that uh, emergency management becomes stronger, not weaker. Absolutely, Dan. And again, thank you for, for being here again. And oh, everybody, Dan Scott, July 1st is going to be rolling out the uh, newest version of EM Student. Uh, listen to him, support him, and we will see you all next week. Thanks for having me on, Todd.